Drill, baby, drill. He had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. America, stay out the bushes. Stay out the bushes. Jet is a mess. And welcome to a Monday, October 24th, Monday Night Football edition of The Elephants in a Room. Hey. And Mac Jones on the Patriots has been benched for Bailey Zappi. And that's the show. That's it. And we're done. That's done. We're done. Enjoy your Monday. That's it. Oh, and our neighbors are putting off fireworks, so you may hear some fireworks in the background. It's unclear what's happening. I'm not sure what fireworks are. I just don't understand October 24th. Well, I, first of what? all, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to interrupt right there and say that I don't think that there's an inappropriate time to light off fireworks. Just curious, like what October twenty fourth signifies? Maybe they had a baby. Maybe it's something personal. Maybe. Maybe they just want to have fun, get weird on a Monday night. Why not? I hear kids yelling. Okay. Someone's well, happy. Anyway. Anyways, you want to know who should be happy? Hmm. Republicans. Ooh, why is that? We're 15 days out mm-hmm. of the election mm-hmm. and all of the polling, the limited polling that it is. We're really limited polling. I think my biggest takeaway from this election cycle is the lack of polling. Like my broad 30,000 foot takeaway is I'm shocked at how much that the, the lack of polling that is out there. Now, well, you can't be wrong if you never poll. Well, that's true. And I know that there's been a lot of articles written about how difficult it is to poll these days because people don't want to answer those kinds of questions. They don't want to be like, yeah, this is who I'm voting for. This is who I'm voting. This is who I'm thinking of voting for. Are you a likely voter? Are you a registered voter? All of these different questions. People don't want to. People don't want to. Um open up about that kind of stuff anymore because frankly the world has become a lot less fun than it was two four six eight ten years ago and the reason for that is um because the no fun the anti-fun left has largely taken over the culture in america Mm -hmm. certainly in popular culture certainly i think in corporate culture as well i think is where people feel like it is most overwhelming on like on an individual basis on a daily basis when you i know i i'm definitely speaking for both of these elephants when we say that (laughs) when we log on to work go to work engage the workplace whatever that may be one of the refrains that we're always told is to bring your true self to work bring your full self to work bring your full self to work you can't bring your full self to work if you are a christian conservative it's a lot of 
of, a load of you know what of you know what exactly it's a load of nonsense it's a load of crap <laughs> would be the correct term for it and we know this we've all experienced this and this is why we did see that quiet trump voter phenomenon in 2016 it's why regularly for the past three now four elections in this country national elections federal elections we've seen republicans outperform their polling because those of us on the side have said you want to know what we're just not engaging with this anymore we're not engaging with this process we're not engaging with what you people you know want to ask questions about there's no reason for us to do that anymore and so that's why i i lead into all of this by saying things are a lot better than they look in the media because the media is trying its best to depress us the media is trying its best to make to make us think that our candidates are not viable our candidates are not going to be able to win even if we show up even if we make phone calls even if we do our best it's a losing effort it is a a stupid and futile gesture don't believe them to work on behalf of Republican candidates, etc., issues. And we all know that that's a total lie. Because no one's more engaged in this election cycle than us Republicans, than us conservatives, than those of us who might consider ourselves independents, but go, wow, we've really uh, we've really drifted away from from what this country used to be in terms of values and so i i simply say that to lead into what we're talking about which is the latest polls nevada we're up governor senate nevada when was the, the last time we won nevada nevada it's been a little bit both of the senators there um i believe are democrats now hmm so it'd be nice to pick one up. Nevada, yeah. Nevada's purple. Nevada's purple. Okay. So it's not like there haven't been Republicans recently. Um, it's not like New Mexico, where New Mexico is very heavily Democrat. Yes. Nevada, Nevada is very much more closer to, I would say, like Arizona and Colorado, in terms of it being a, a solidly purple state. Um, which is what it is. But Senate looking great there. Governor looking great there. Those are pickups for Republicans. Those are really good things. As we discussed on uh, on the, the previous episode to hear, Real Clear Politics has moved the Arizona Senate race into the, the Republican category. Um, I don't, you know, I'm, I, I think that I, things are looking really good for Blake Masters. They're trending in Blake Masters' directions. There's some great attack ads against Mark Kelly that are starting to make the rounds on the airwaves that mm-hmm. are hopefully going to, you know, show people what they're voting for if they support Mark Kelly again, which is money for illegal aliens. It's money for criminals. It's... 87,000 new IRS agents 87,000 new IRS agents. It's, it's all of that. It's all of that. And that's starting to hit home, and we're starting to see the anti-Mark Kelly road signs out there of Mark Kelly plus Joe Biden equals high gas prices. And this is this is what we said repeatedly on this show throughout July and August and even September, which was people aren't paying attention to this stuff yet. People aren't paying attention to it. Yes, Democrats had a lot of like symbolic wins in August and September, and what I mean symbolic is they had good polling numbers. 
<laughs> they had good polling numbers. Things look good for them. Nelly don't look so good for them. Um, even NBC, NBC put out a poll where, where Republicans only had a one-point advantage. If NBC says Republicans have a one-point advantage, I don't think I need to tell you what it really is yeah. out there. Right? CNN, CNN put out a poll that had Fetterman up six against Oz. What do you think the real, what do you think that is? What? I think it's neck and neck. Yeah. The debate's tomorrow. To the debate's tomorrow. Ooh. Well, the Fetterman-Oz debate, so it's interesting because the Fetterman-Oz debate has always been a margin of error race. Mm. There's always been three points this way, three points that way. Maybe Fetterman's gotten the five, six, seven, and whatnot. But that's just a, that's just a product of, um, that, you know, that's just a product of him being a no-name and Dr. Oz talking about crudite. Right, as we've, we've talked on here, if you had to pick a candidate to run in the Senate for Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz is not on the top of your list. He's just not, because he lives in New Jersey, not Pennsylvania. That's an issue. <laughs> but nevertheless, we have the debate tomorrow. It's going to be very interesting to see how Oz does against Fetterman. The Fetterman can't put out a, a memo today saying that, uh, you know, this is not... Uh, Dr. Oz has been a professional television personality for the last two decades. Fetterman oh. wasn't great at debates. This isn't John's format. <laughs> That's all you do as a politician. You talk. It's literally all you do. What does he think he's going to be doing if not talking? I, I, I... <laughs> I, I, I simply, I simply, I love this because now we know how bad it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, we know that this is going to be a train wreck wrapped inside a car crash, wrapped inside a plane, a plane crash. Yep. Hey, this is going to be an absolute disaster for John Fetterman tomorrow. And this is why they scheduled it so late because they don't want people to know his actual condition and he's not going to be able to hide it for an hour. He's no. not going to be able to hide it for an hour. Nope. Um, the other thing in the NBC to poll that I, I thought was interesting, and this was the headline, um, which they put out, which I was fine with them putting the headline out, that 80% of Americans believe the other side wants to destroy democracy. Great. Great. Right? Great. Great. Um, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I want to rephrase that. 80% of Democrats and Republicans believe the political opposition poses a threat that, if not stopped, will destroy America as we know it. Well, I don't know that that's totally wrong. I don't think it's inaccurate when it, talks, when it comes to the Democrats. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to get into this in a little bit. Uh, but also, I do want to point out in the NBC poll, and this is an important thing, 78% of Republicans have a high interest in the midterms, only 69% of Democrats. That enthusiasm gap is going to be real. It's going to be spectacular. It's going to show off a lot of things. Um, there were um, there were a couple of smaller news items that I kind of kind of wanted to hit. <laughs> One thing that I thought was funny was that apparently Tom Brady and Ron DeSantis are texting buddies. Oh. Is that why Tom Brady's not good at football? He's too busy texting? Yeah, what's, uh, I was about to say, I'm like, I, I kind of wonder if now that Tom Brady's three and four, if Trump's like, you could be with DeSantis, I don't want a loser. <laughs> Ooh. 
Maybe. Mm-hmm. So had to uh, had to laugh about that because because it was in the same this I found I saw the story on Drudge Report because he had a wonderful, wonderful headline regarding Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady's performance this past weekend. Glum days for geezer greats. Whose headline is this? Drudge Report oh. about Rodgers and Brady losing. Glum days for geezer greats. <laughs> a little alliteration there. I'm a sucker for alliteration. I'm going to call it out when I see it, when it's well done. It's well done. These geezer greats. Um, but so that's the top line. From the last time we spoke until now, the story is things continue to trend for Republicans. Michigan governor's race, Tudor Dixon versus Gretchen Whitmer, that's a tie now. Multiple polls showing that tie. Multiple polls showing that margin of error. Minnesota governor, same thing. There's something happening in Michigan and Minnesota that we're going to have to watch out for. Next week is Halloween. Towards the end of next week, next in two weeks from now, Monday episode, that's going to be the prediction episode. Yeah. I can already tell kind of how I think I'm going to be predicting a lot of these things and it's going to go break red for most of it. It's going to be breaking red. And that's um that's just a uh, a really 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 good place to be in right now. Um we just have to to keep our head down. There was a um I think the biggest news story today outside of politics, or at least for me, the biggest news story that was making the rounds from what I saw was this from the Associated Press that came out late yesterday but kind of hit the headlines today, which is that test scores show historic COVID setbacks for kids across the United States. This is the number one thing that parents across the United States are thinking about right now. Their kids. Their Mm -hmm. kids' test scores. How has COVID impacted this setup? And um, and here it is from the AP. Across the country, math scores saw their largest decreases ever. Reading scores dropped to 1992 levels. Nearly four in ten eighth Shots graders fired at 1992. Nearly four in ten eighth graders fail to grasp basic math math concepts. Not a single state saw a notable improvement in their average test scores, with some simply treading water at best. Mm. Uh oh. In math, there was an eight point decline in assessment. Researchers usually think of a 10-point gain or drop as equivalent to roughly a year of learning. Oh. So essentially, as in a country, we lost a year of learning in math. We probably did. And reading was minus two. So a fifth of a year. I don't know. My math's not good. (laughs) It's a fifth. Two over ten, folks. It's fine. I got it right. But this is this is the issue, and this is when we come back to and what we've chatted about on this show before, which is how Republicans won at this time last year. And it wasn't nationalizing the races. It was localizing them. We didn't go, we need to win so this national figure can get what they want, or we need to win here because nationally we're going to achieve this goal. 
It was, we need to win because we need to fix what's going on in our communities. Education is a massive winning issue for Republicans because we are the choice party when it comes to education. All we ask as Republicans is that you as parents take an interest in your child's education. You can send them to public school, you can send them to private school, you can send them to charter school, you can send them to, you can homeschool them, you can do whatever. We want to give you that choice. But engage with us. Help us understand what is going right and wrong in your child's education so we can fix that. That's the Republican Party stance on education. It's an extremely parent-focused, progressive way, to use that term, of looking at education. It's a family-focused way of looking at education. This is what, how we're supposed to be. This is the actual term of progressive, right? How do we progress society forward? How do we move our society forward? Society cannot move forward. America cannot advance as a country, as a society, if we are going to subject our youngest to a substandard educational system. That's what we have right now in America. No country spends more per pupil than America. We spend double the amounts of the nearest country. Yep, we spend double. a lot. We are not getting a good and ROI. we're falling behind where we were 30 years ago. 30 years ago. We've erased 30 years of progress educationally. Because I know it's funny, ha, 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 shots fired at 1992. But no, we are supposed <laughs> to know how, we are edu- how to better educate young people 30, than, we did know, than what we knew 30 years ago. Let me rephrase that because clearly the education system did not do well <laughs> with me. We should have 30 extra years of understanding as it pertains to how to best educate our nation's youth than we did 30 years ago, right? We've got 30 more years of experience doing this. You should be better. If you've been doing something for 30 years, you're probably better at it than, what you, than how you were doing it 30 years ago. Now, if you're not, well... I hope you haven't wasted 30 of your life years doing something that you're not any better at. (laughs) But I have a feeling that if you've hung in with something for 30 years, you've probably either gotten better at it or found a way to enjoy said activity more than you did 30 years ago. And that's what's so shocking about this is that there's no clearer example that shows throwing money at a problem doesn't equate a solution. Throwing money at our education problem in this country has not led to better educational outcomes. What throwing more money at education in our country has done has led to a bloated administrative state that does a really good job of coming up with different ideas to teach kids and what kind of culture we want in the classroom and drag queen story hour and oh it's okay you know we don't want kids to feel bad that they don't know their multiplication tables so we're just gonna make up something different you know and give them a passing grade anyways because that's the kind of stuff that happens because at the end of the day it's easier to just pass a kid 
than to deal with the pushback that you're going to get that, oh, you know, the, you know, three, a third of your class wasn't proficient in math. Well, yeah, because the kids come from homes where learning math isn't a priority in the household at night. It's getting drunk and betting on the horses. Or it's um, just not even being around for your kids and living your own life, or having such a chaotic household in your li- having such a chaotic household that kids can't get peace and quiet to study. This idea that education only exists in the classroom is one of the most dangerous ideas that has proliferated our society. Education starts and ends at the home. School is meant to supplement the education that you receive at home. School is meant to help you communicate your ideas and express your emotions with other people. You're learning other skills in school beyond just knowledge. And I'm not saying that teachers don't have specialized skill sets. They do. And they get a lot of junk chucked on them these days that frankly probably fell outside of the scope of skills and services that they signed up to provide. And we could spend all night talking about the breakdown of the family in this country and how it's led to this position that we're in. Because I don't think it's learning from home led to this drop. I think it's the fact that kids went home to broken homes that led to this drop. As soon as we took kids out of the stability of the classroom, they had to go home to chaos. How can you learn in chaos? At least some of these kids had a refuge at school. That's the real issue, what I see here. I see kids learning from home. I'm being unable to learn from home as an undisciplined society that has taken its focus off of making sure that the next generation is prepared to meet the challenges of tomorrow. And there's no better party out there that's talking about this issue than the Republican Party. And it should be our number one, number two, and number three issue. And at a local level, when you talk like this, we win. The last thing that I wanted to talk about were two articles that came up. I'm going to tie back to the earlier when we talked about the election because there's two articles that came out this week. One was not an article. One was an interview. One was an article from the New York Times. The interview that I want to talk about is John Carl from ABC interviewing Carrie Lake, our governor candidate in Arizona. Woo! And like all lazy journalists, John Carl wants to only ask her about the 2020 election. Okay. We know where Carrie Lake stands in the 2020 election. She thinks it's stolen. She thinks Donald Trump is, should be president. Mm-hmm. That's her belief. It's not going to change no matter how many times you ask her. That's not going to come into play when she's governor of Arizona. Right. What is going to come into play as governor of Arizona is whether she's going to enforce the laws that are on the books. And this was such a telling interview because Jonathan Carl is, for lack of a better term, smart guy. This isn't someone that's stupid. This isn't someone who grew up with a silver spoon or a platinum spoon in his mouth on the Upper East Side of New York and got a job working in the media because mommy and daddy saw, oh no, 
my kid can't do anything else. So let's just get him a microphone and someone can read into, and someone can just put what he has to say in front of him, right? That's the skill of 99% of people on television. They read what's put in front of them. They're Ron Burgundy's. Carrie Lake broke out of this mold. She's like, wait, you people aren't using your minds. You're just reading what people are telling you to do. This is nonsense. This isn't journalism. This is just, you know, defending the Democrat Party. And this is where she ended up here. So Jonathan Carr presses Carrie Lake on, on these election claims. And the headline is, are you really saying you would throw out the ballots of 740 Arizonans? Obviously not. Obviously not. And so this is the point that she's making. Is that is that we need to focus on moving forward on fixing these things, and so Jonathan Carl questions her on the Maricopa County and these seven hundred forty thousand ballots. And you've maybe you've seen this story if you're not. I don't know how it got out there that seven hundred forty thousand ballots here were outside of the chain of custody. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. You know, the only the only fraud that we've captured in Arizona happened in Yuma. That's it. Didn't happen in Maricopa County. Sorry to report that. There wasn't fraud in Maricopa County to the extent that it would change the outcome of the election. In every election, from the beginning of time until today and tomorrow and going forward, there will be fraud. Because anytime you're talking about dealing with the most powerful country in the world, people are going to try to get, try, try to take advantage of whatever they can take advantage of. There's always going to be fraud. There's always going to be people trying to screw people over. That's not going to change. Well, Carrie Lake says, let's just enforce the laws. Let's enforce the laws of the books. Let's make the law stricter. Let's make sure it's one person, one vote. One person, one vote. And I love this. Jonathan Carl, you said something last week. You said there were 740,000 ballots with no chain of custody. Those ballots shouldn't have been counted. Are you really saying you would throw out the ballots of 740,000? That's nearly three-quarters of a million Arizonans. Lake, 740 ballots, 740,000 ballots violated chain of custody requirements in Maricopa County. I mean, first of all, it's not true. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors put out a 98 report that went through those allegations. Lake, okay, that is a fact. That is a fact. So Lake admits this. Lake's argument isn't, I'm going to throw out these ballots because they meet the requirements. Lake's argument is, whoa, there was a question about 740,000 ballots your job as governor is to investigate that if there was an issue, right? That's her problem. Carrie Lake's problem is not the outcome. Well, it is partially the outcome of the election, but her, 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 the, the pub, the, her issue at the end of the day is not actually the outcome of the election. Her issue at the end of the day is that there are people who are not doing their jobs properly in Arizona. Therefore, there is a question about the legitimacy of this process. Since there is a question about the legitimacy of this process, I have a plan to make sure that we legitimize the process. This is how you go about communicating something that happened in the past that you can't change, why you're upset about it, and how you're going to fix it. This is an adult, okay? Yep. We talk about wanting adults in the room, talking about being a mature adult. This is an adult. This is an adult that saw something that happened saw some things that weren't properly investigated and said, I have a plan to change that. <laughs> <And Jonathan> Car- 
Oh my gosh, it's so upsetting. <laughs> I'm laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's because it's so funny. And Jonathan Carl, I'm texting my mother-in-law last night about this when I'm reading this, being like, "Can you believe this idiot? You know, like, oh my gosh, this woman wants to enforce the laws that are on the books. How barbaric can you be?" And it's so funny. It's so unbelievable reading this because this is the issue. This is what we're up against. This is Republicans going, "No, we just want to enforce the laws that are on the books," and Democrats are going. What? Wait, what? What? Why, why can't this just be a free-for-all for anyone? Anyone can do whatever they want. And it ties directly into this next story, the New York Times doing one of their classic, oh my gosh, let's go to the Republican Zoo and see what people are mad about. Right? I love these stories. Let's go to the Republican Zoo and talk about people who we're not going to interview. We're going to interview people who hate the people we're talking about. Because we want to present our image of them to you not who these people actually are with their words so the new york times put out an article that came out uh i think it was yesterday i saw it today their america is vanishing like trump they insist they were cheated and this is about carrie lake this is about Republicans and just about white Republicans. Oh. And about how white Republicans in districts that are slowly seeing what's happened in America for literally the past 400 years, which is that people are moving into places and they don't look like you. Okay? Everyone in America has experienced that because it's literally America. Okay? People don't look at you look like you move in next door. So the New York Times, because as we saw with the Jonathan Carl interview, and as we've seen time and time again, there's no critical thinking. Critical thinking skills are a barrier to entry in the journalist journalism profession if you have critical thinking skills if you ask why remember who what when where why if you ask who what when where and why as a journalist these days you're fired because the who is obvious it's donald trump why because he wants to kill minorities and destroy democracy and that's the answer to everything. Why was Mac Jones replaced by Bailey Zappi tonight by Bill Belichick? Well, because Donald Trump hates people and wants to destroy democracy. That's why. <laughs> we all know the answer. So that's, that's, that's the default. So this entire article is viewed through the lens of Republicans must hate Democrat ideas because they're coming from people who don't look like them. And this is the best. At the end of the article, they ask this congressman from texas who as they say is an election denier whatever that means this guy troy nels n-e-h-l-s representative troy nels so they ask him finally why are these people so you know is a demographic change he saw no fear of demographic change amongst his supporters he said these people aren't against brown or black people I just don't like the way Democrats are running their country. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that's and there and there it is, folks. There that it is. Is the fundamental difference between Republicans and Democrats in the year of our Lord twenty twenty two. Is that us Republicans know that our friends who are Democrats, if we still have them, they're not actually mad with us. They're just disagree with you know they want the country to go in a different direction. And these are debates that adults have all the time in the workplace. I want to do this. You want to do that. Let's figure it out. 
right? This is America. You want to do this, I want to do that. Let's figure it out. Democrats have decided that, well, if you're against us, you must be the most evil person in the world. And that's funny. The Republicans are like, what? What? No, we just disagree with you. We don't hate you. We just think you're wrong. Right? Being wrong doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're wrong. Right? Not being able to throw a football doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you can't throw a football. Every, we, we talked about this on previous episodes. Everyone has strengths and everyone has weaknesses. Okay? One of the strengths that liberals have is that, on the surface, <laughs> compassion. Right? Bleeding heart liberal. How many people have heard the term bleeding heart liberal? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good thing to have. It's a good thing to be a bleeding heart sometimes, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that you have a country worth full of bleeding hearts, you're going to get run over by someone by, by the name of Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping or, someone, or some strongman. So you can't have a country of bleeding hearts. Yeah, I have some people that tell you off. And this is what makes America great. It's what makes America a country that you should want to be miserable in more than any other country. <laughs> Like, that is always going to be my argue, argument for America. I'd rather be miserable here than anywhere else. Because if I'm a miserable, mistreated minority in America, I have more rights than I'm a miserable, mistreated minority in another country. Because if I'm a miserable, mistreated minority in Saudi Arabia, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm not complaining to you. Because I've been stoned to death. Right? Or in Russia, or China, where you just disappear to a labor camp to break rocks and then break those rocks into tiny rocks and they'll break those tiny rocks into microscopic rocks and then you're going to start all over again. Have fun. Thanks for questioning the chairman. All right. On that note, is there a food thing? I don't have a food thing. Oh my goodness. I keep wanting to do Halloween, but I feel like we need to wait until our Halloween episode, which would be next Monday. Next Monday. It's Halloween. Um, which should be interesting. Should we try to record as we're giving out candy? Like every other word is trick or treat. I think we should ask the kids who they're voting for. We should ask the parents who they're voting for. Who are you voting for and why? (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? Hey, trick or treat. Oh, we've turned the tables on you. You've interrupted our evening. Well, I'm going to put a camera and a microphone in your face and I want you to tell me who you're voting for. And if you don't, your kid doesn't get candy. Oh my gosh. We're going to get egged. <laughs> egged. Our house would be burned down. That you know, too. So I saw, I, I saw something on Reddit that I had here as a discussion, but it would okay. probably be better if it was just an actual call-in show. Okay. So some, on, on, um, on, on Reddit, and there are other shows that do this too. There's, they're growing up. There's Greg in the Morning Buzz, W-H-E-B, W-H-E-B in, in New Hampshire. They do a segment called, um, uh, I'll use the term, Earmuff Your Kid's Ears. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. Who's the douchebag? Is the name of the segment. You know, it's it's someone writes in and goes, "Hey, this is the situation that happened. Am I the douchebag?" And on Reddit, the term is more derogatory. Am I the uh uh? Butthole? We we got it. We got it. You got it. You got it. So someone wrote in and said, "Hey, my wife and I, you know, we had this ten-hour plane flight. We bought opposite aisle seats in the extended legroom area." I get on the flight. This woman with her baby says, hey, I want to you know, sit next to my husband. He's sitting next to you. Can we switch seats? And he's like, absolutely not, because I want the leg room. And she threw a fit. She threw a fit. 
She threw a fit. She had the stewardess come over. She tried to tell us, you know, try to get everyone on her side. This guy's got to switch seats with her because she's a mom who just a newborn with a newborn. And she deserves the leg room more than this guy who paid for it and planned his trip. Why didn't she pay for it? That. And you know what? I just want to end this episode with faith in humanity has been restored because you want to know what people said. Why didn't you plan your trip better? Good. If you if you needed the extra leg room. Why didn't you prioritize that? And now we all know. We all know. Now, someone else wrote in and said, hey, look, maybe they got screwed by the airline. Like, they were supposed to have those seats. That stuff happens. That stuff happens. No doubt. No doubt it happens. But rarely, rarely does that kind of thing ever happen. Because generally speaking, with the airlines, if you're, we'll say, economy plus, they're going to keep you in economy plus. Wait, so can I just back up? So her husband and the baby had the extra leg room, but she didn't? Yes. So instead, she should have seen if two people without leg room wanted to go take her husband in the baby seat, and then the three of them could have sat in the back. They both wanted the leg. The bottom line was the husband wasn't giving up the extra leg room. Well, right. The bottom line was that... They wanted leg room more than they wanted to be together. Because that would have made more sense. Because then they could have been together and then two people got upgraded. Win-win. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's it's the... Yeah, they got they got, they got separated. Yeah, that's what I don't understand. Why that's what I'm saying. So she switch, obviously... Switch seats. She obviously had an... Or we don't know, but we think she had doesn't matter she had a seat somewhere in the back Hmm? therefore there were two people in her row so she could have said hey two people would you want to get extra leg room and then i can have my husband and baby come back here with me and then we're all together i realize i'm too logical for this question but that seems like the better solution anyways apparently when this guy landed so him and his wife were in agreement they were like, no, we did the right thing. We kept our seats, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently his in-laws got on, on him for it. <laughs> he wrote in the Reddit post. They thought he was rude. You were supposed to give up your seat for the woman with the baby. Why didn't anyone come up with the, the example I just gave? How about that? I, because you want to know what, for me, I would never think more of it. Because my simple answer would be, no. And I would sit down and I would put on my headphones. No, not for this guy. Why didn't the flight attendant, the mother, why didn't they think of that? Instead of berating this man who paid for it, why don't you just go find people who are in Be, steerage? Uh, you know, because, because well, well, well because they didn't, because there's no one in steerage. I don't know why you're bringing up steerage. I don't know why you're bringing up people from the back. Because, because there's only one row with the extra leg room. No, there's only Max, one you're not, row. Okay, so you're not understanding my proposal. My proposal is she has a seat in the back, right? She has a seat in row two. Extra leg row is in row one with the bulkhead, right? You don't have that seat in front of you. That's the extra seat. That's the extra leg room. So she's in row two. They're in row one. She wants to sit in row one. Oh, I thought you were saying there's like, you know, usually 10 rows where there's extra leg room. So you're not talking about that. You're talking about the bulkhead. That's different. That's different. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. There was one option. Well, you didn't say that. Okay, the bulkhead makes much more sense because the bulkhead you need for a baby. Why? 
Because that's where the crib goes, and that's how you change them right there. That's what the bulkhead's for. Then why didn't she get that ticket? I don't know. Maybe the seat was already taken. Do you think she's entitled to it? Do you think the guy was supposed to change with her instead now? I don't think she was entitled, but now I see why it became such a thing. And why my proposed solution wouldn't work. Because I thought you were saying it was one of the ten rows with the extra legroom. No, this was the only option to switch. This is the issue. This is why they got on the guy. They thought he was being a jerk. How'd you not know that the bulkhead, that's what it's for? It's for babies. No, it's not. Yes, it is. You can attach a crib to that bulkhead. That's why it's there. Telling you. I just thought it was there because there's literally no seats in front of you. Like, that's where the There's galley is. There's literally a hinge there, and you can put a crib right there. I am 100% sure you are not supposed to hang your child in a crib on the bulkhead while you are taking off and landing. No, not while you're taking off and landing, but while but you're in there, the air. Just let the kid hang out there? Yeah. I've never seen this on a plane. Well, <laughs> when on a plane have you seen a baby just suspended from the bulkhead? <laughs> okay, well, let what? me get a picture. What is this? Let me get a picture. What are you talking? There's no flight attendant that would allow this. That baby could fall down. There's liability issues. What if you it's hit turbulence? right here. See that? You have never seen this on a plane? They're all over. That, that's what the bulkhead's for. That. I understand that's what it could be used for. What you're telling me that it's used for as just overhead storage for a baby, that's not overhead storage for I a baby. I didn't say overhead storage. That's I said that's where the you baby said it goes. Was, that the baby's just hanging there on it the is. wall while you have a Bloody Mary. <laughs> just hang the kid up. It's to help I'm you. I'm putting on Ted Lasso. Anyway, you'll understand when you have them. You'll understand when you... I already understand. I just showed you the picture. I'm not arguing whether that space can be repurposed. Here's how to get a bassinet for your baby on an airplane. October 2021. This is still a thing. A bassinet. A bassinet. That's what I just said. That's what I just said. Well, if you're sitting first class, then they damn well better let you put a bassinet on. One, One A gets a bassinet. I'm fine with that. That's Queen Elizabeth's seat. 1A. Actually, was she 1B? Was she a window flyer? No, she was no, she was 1B. She was the aisle. Queen Elizabeth was 1B because it went A, B, C, D across the row. So in the Concord, she was 1B. She was an aisle. Sorry. I don't know why I know that. I think that's the truth. I believe her seat was 1B. In August 2022, is this the one you're talking about? Man rants that his airplane bulkhead seat was given away to a baby. Mm-mm. Yeah. I'd go ballistic. To a mother and her baby, because that's what it's for. It's for the bassinet. No, it's, no, no. It's for the seat. It's for me because I paid for it. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to pay me enough to, to move me from that seat. I would want a, a guaranteed first class ticket whenever I travel in perpetuity to make me move for that. That is it. That would be my price. Free first class airfare whenever I want on demand for life. If you want me to move, what would your price be? Hold on, I'm reading this to see which part I can read to you. Um, but I can't read it and talk at the same time. But I'm telling you, the bulkhead is for the bassinet. Google it, that's what's there for. I'm telling you, it might be there for, but over Charlton, like Charlton Heston said, you would have to pry 
my dead and lifeless fingers from that seat in order to get me to move just just because. First of all, I don't understand why you would want to get the bulkhead anyway. Because I don't like it. Because other you don't have seats the, you, with more leg room, and then you have your stuff right in front of you. I like the stuff in front so of me. That's what I was about to say. Stop like sitting in, in the bulkhead, which is for mothers with babies. So whatever. No, it's not. It's for whoever wants okay. to sit there. Okay, all right. It's for whoever wants over. to sit we're, there. We're way over. Well, you know, this tender and turning debate, so I think I picked a pretty good topic to end it on. <laughs> okay, what, please How much in. would it cost you to move your seat on the airplane from more legroom to less legroom? You're talking to someone who's 5'1", so this is kind of a stupid yeah, argument. Well, with these long dancers' <laughs> legs, let me tell you, like I said, first class airfare, lifetime, on demand. You're ridiculous. Okay, we will see y'all on Wednesday. The chant is drill, baby, drill. He had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. America, stay out the bushes. Stay out the bushes. Jet is a mess. <laughs>